God, we're so thankful for your great love for us that we can worship your name, your name that is holy. God, we're just kind of standing in awe of, of who you are, what you've done for us. Thank you. Thank you. Not sure what else our souls can say except thank you. So from grateful, glad hearts in you. Pray that you would be happy with the praise of your people this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. You may be seated, band. Thank you for leading us in the worship of our God. In recent years, just the past couple of years, actually, there have been a couple of really big churches in the United States that would be within our general kind of sphere or general orbit of belief that uh, kind of blew up and disintegrated and burned down. And the reason for that, and, and when I say big churches, I'm talking like 10, 15,000 people in these churches. And the reason for it is because of leadership failure among the primary leader. Now, when I say that, the place that our mind typically goes to is uh, moral failure, at least like a sexual uh, failure type of thing. And in both of these instances, it wasn't that. At least there's no indication that it was. But what it was, was uh, um, th these, these primary leaders and the, the pastors in these churches that uh, just kind of didn't have anyone that could say no to them. And, and because of leadership failure, the whole thing blew up. As it turns out, in any organization, especially churches, leadership is really, really important. And you know, I would like to see us not blow up too. <laughs> That would be one of my goals. And through the summer, we've been walking through the book of Exodus. And what we've been seeing in Exodus is, is that God has been bringing his people out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt where they were slaves, through the wilderness. And we're not going to get there until next summer, but, but eventually he's going to get them to the promised land. And there was lots of drama and trauma along the way. Now today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18. So if you have your copy of God's word, which I hope you do, please open it with me to Exodus chapter 18. And, and we're going to see today that there's trouble of a different sort. Now, up, up until now, the trouble that we've seen is trouble with the followers, the people who were following uh, Moses, God's leader, as he brought them out of Egypt. But today, the trouble is going to be with Moses. So Exodus chapter 18. Starting in verse 1, here's what it says. Exodus 18 verse 1 it says, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, by the way, I, I love that name, now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Now let's push pause there. There's a number of very interesting things that we can see even so far. Firstly, we see that Moses' father-in-law was a priest of Midian. In fact, the word usage would probably indicate that he wasn't just a priest, but that he was probably the high priest of Midian. And so what that means is that he probably was very experienced with leadership and leading large groups of people. That's going to become important in the story. The second thing that we notice is that... Uh, so we know from previous in Exodus that, Mo that Moses' wife and, and, and sons had started with him on the way to Egypt, but at some point he had sent them back. 
and we don't know why the details are not given. My best guess is that it was probably to uh, protect them. He knew he was going into a hostile, volatile situation, and he, in order to protect them, I think he sent them back to her father. And think about this. I mean, they didn't have phones that they could text each other. They didn't have uh, email that they could communicate. They didn't even have snail mail. There was no postage system. When they uh, separated, there was a very real chance that they would never see each other again. So we can imagine that this reunion that we're going to see was a sweet one. The third thing is that we can deduce a few things from Moses' son's names. Now, we're not going to spend too long on this, but it's notable that Moses didn't name uh, his children with any connection to the name Jehovah or Yahweh. Now, really quickly, in your Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, some of you will know this. If you see the word Lord, but it's spelled with all caps, that's the sign to you that the, the original word there in the original language, the word is the word Jehovah or Yahweh. Now, in English, we often say Jehovah. In Hebrew, they didn't have the phonetic Jah, so they would not have said Jesus. They would have pronounced that differently. They would not have said Jehovah. They would have pronounced it Yahweh. And the reason that's important is because they would really tie the name Yahweh into the names of their kids. So there's a lot of uh, names from Jewish descent that have that connection. So do we have anybody here named Isaiah, that Yah, Hezekiah, um, uh, Jeremiah, that Yah is God's name that's connected. And, and, and if anyone would have named his kids connected with Jehovah or Yahweh, it would have been Moses, we would think. So why that is important is that God almost certainly revealed himself as Yahweh at the burning bush to Moses after his children had already been born and named. Jump down to verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. And Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord, praise be to Yahweh, there it is right there, who rescued you from the hand of the, pardon me, the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Now notice that even though Jethro, we need to notice this, Jethro was not an Israelite, and he was the priest of a different religion. And even he sees and hears how great God is, and he, it, well, look what he says in verse 11. He says, now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the other gods. Now why is this significant? 
This is significant because it stands in stark contrast to the, what we have seen of the Israelites so far. Now, now Jethro, he had not seen with his own eyes the ten plagues. He had not seen the, the, the seas parted so the people could walk through. He hadn't seen them drinking from a, a, a water from a rock. He hadn't seen those things, but he had heard about them. And even hearing about them, he was able to say, what a great God Yahweh is. And that stands in stark contrast to the Israelites who had seen those things and who time after time doubted the Lord. Time after time questioned the Lord. Time after time were just like, like tested the Lord. Is God really among us? The, the distinction is very, very significant. And we're supposed to read that. We're supposed to pick up on that. Look at verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people came to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God. <clears throat> Pardon me. And bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men, notice, who fear God and who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people all the time, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can uh, decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for all the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses but the simple ones they decided for themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. Now, as we mentioned, the story up until now that we have seen this summer has largely revolved around the lack of trust that the people had in the Lord. All the trouble that we've seen so far has been that the people have distrusted, they had hard hearts and didn't trust the Lord. But today what we see is trouble of a different sort. Today the trouble comes from the leadership Today, Moses is the problem, and it hadn't reached the point of a crisis yet, but we know it would certainly get there given time. Now, God had used Moses in extremely powerful ways. Moses was God's leader, but we know that Moses was doing too much himself. In any organization, there is a cap on the effectiveness of that organization when the primary leader 
hoards too much control or power or say for him or herself. Now we understand God leads through leaders. And that's why as a church here at Blue Water, we are a congregational church, but we're not as congregational as some because we do believe that God leads through leaders. And it's obvious to us, it was obvious to Jethro that um, Moses was the choke point. Moses was the funnel that was going to be a cap. He was bottlenecking the effectiveness of the whole, uh, the whole thing because of his leadership. It was wearing Moses out. It was unsustainable long-term. So we can see that it was bad for Moses. What's not quite as evident right off the top is that it was also bad for the people. There were leaders who could have been and should have been sharing the load with Moses. There's a lot of principles for us here too. Because this same thing can happen in churches. When... A, the primary leader becomes the bottleneck and, and it provides a, a ceiling or a cap that this, the, a church is never going to get past a certain threshold, never going to be bigger or more significant than a certain threshold because that leader becomes the choke point. There's a ceiling on the organization. And that's why here at Blue Water, we want to be very careful that we don't rally around the personality or the gifts of uh, any particular leader, which is uh, quite helpful because the senior leader at Blue Water doesn't have that much of a personality anyway. So we want to make sure that we spread that out. So you will not hear my voice. My voice will be the most, the most frequent voice that you hear from the platform, but it will not be the only voice. At Blue Water, we have elders who, it's, it's not just me that gives direction to the church. We have a group of elders who direct and who lead the church. We have staff and other volunteers who function as deacons, who lead the everyday ministries of the church. They're really on the front lines, small group leaders, children's leaders, uh, youth group leaders, and, and I could go on and on who are really on the front lines of our ministry. But let me tell you, and please hear me when I say this, the biggest challenge that we have as a church, the biggest church that every challenge, that the biggest challenge that every church has is finding leaders. Speaking of leadership, I need to push pause just for a second and bounce off into uh, another direction for just a moment and talk about a leadership issue here at Blue Water. Um, as we are seeing other provinces beginning to uh, move towards having vaccine passports and as there is discussion in Ontario about having vaccine passports coming up, we, there's... Uh, we might, may even possibly hear something this week. I need to let you know about a decision that the elders of Blue Water made a number of months ago. And in our discussions about um, COVID and all the things related to that, we, uh, I'm very thankful that the elders were, were proactive and didn't wait for the heat of a moment to make decisions. But uh, uh, you probably know that when the government mandated that worship gatherings be closed down, uh, because of the COVID virus, uh, that Blue Water went along with that. We complied, but we did so under protest. In our discussions about vaccine passports, though, a number of months ago, the board here at Blue Water decided that even if the government mandates government uh, uh, vaccine passports, that we would not be going there. Now, I, I, I need you to stop clapping because 
that, that's not what we're intending here. We're not, we're not looking to pump any tires or one particular side. And in fact, what we are really interested in is not fostering discord or dissent among us as a people. What we are trying to do is to hold together a fractured and disparate uh, uh, set of opinions here at Blue Water. So I don't want to hear any clapping because we're going to, you, everybody that claps, you're going to be mad at me in a second. Just hold on. Because whether you get a vaccine or not is a personal choice and it very much is a matter of conscience. There are plenty of reasons why someone would choose to get the vaccine. Plenty of good reasons and legitimate reasons. There's also plenty of reasons, good legitimate reasons, why someone would choose not to. And if people are precluded from going to restaurants or going to see a Jays game or what have you because of, of, of taking a vaccine or not, that's probably a charter violation, but that's not what I'm talking about here. We're talking specifically about public gatherings for worship. And the thought of banning some people from publicly gathering to worship the Lord together I'm not sure what name we can put on it other than it's just wrong, okay? I don't know how we could possibly say that we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, if then we then turn away people at the door because they don't have the right papers. I don't know how we could possibly receive communion together and read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when Paul, in that same passage, hammers the Corinthians for going ahead and taking communion without waiting for everybody. I don't know how we could possibly do that. A couple of weeks ago, we were able to, some of the pastors in this city were able to meet with the provincial minister of labor. And I was just really upfront with them. The topic of vaccine passports came up and uh, I was just really upfront with them and said, listen, if... If you guys go this direction, I just need to be upfront with you. Arrest me now because we are not going there. Now, as a matter of conscience, uh, since this is a matter of conscience, what I could see when it comes time for us to move inside and to have multiple services, out of love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, what I could see us doing is having one service where we say, hey, because we love our brothers and sisters who have a different opinion than you, for, for those who are not vaccinated, would you willingly go to a different service so that those who are of a different conviction than you could come to this service? I could see us doing that, but one thing that I promise you we will not do is stand at the door and check someone's papers and then bar the door from them if they don't have the right papers. That's chilling to me. As a Christian, listen, if you have a different opinion than, than I do, by the way, I didn't make this decision. This was a decision that the elders made as a group. I didn't make this decision. Uh, if you have a different opinion than me, I'm certainly willing to listen to uh, your arguments. But I have thought a lot about this. And um, I do, I've tried to be very gracious and generous with everything about COVID. Um, but when it comes to this matter, I'm, I struggle to see how a Christian could have a different position than this. So, now that we've cleared up our parking problem, and now that there will be lots of umbrellas available next week, that was supposed to be a joke, we need to jump back into the text. 
we've seen the point, we've made the point time and again throughout the series that there is more going on in these stories, more going on through the book of Exodus than just a description about the Israelites uh, uh, moving from the land of Egypt into the promised land. What we've been saying is that all these stories are ultimately about Jesus. And that raises a question because how does Jethro fit into this? And here's the point. The value of Jethro is that he shows us that Moses wasn't the Messiah. Moses was a deliverer, certainly. Moses delivered the people out of the land of slavery and ultimately to the promised land, but Moses wasn't the Messiah. And we know that because Moses made mistakes. And the value of the story about Jethro is that he had to instruct Moses who was in the, the, the process of making a mistake. But the true and final Messiah was still to come. The one who would make no mistakes. The one who by virtue of his perfect life would be able to redeem us from our land of slavery. By his sacrifice for us. And guess what? Every leader in every church is broken and crooked deep down. I'm not going to deny that. No leader at this church is going to deny that. We're all crooked deep down. But I'm so thankful that as the church fathers said that God can use even crooked sticks to draw straight lines. There is also a call to action for us in this. Because when we put our faith in Jesus, it doesn't mean that, that uh, our faith in Jesus uh, impacts us but just stays with us. The faith that we have in Jesus means that if you are a part of this church, if you're a part of Blue Water, we need you. This is the call to action for us today. We desperately, desperately need you. We all have a part to play. If the mission of God is going to be accomplished and the word of God is going to go out and the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to go out in the city, we desperately, desperately need you to play your part. We've seen so many new faces this summer. I am so excited to see all the new faces that we have seen. And if Blue Water is your, if you've made Blue Water your home church, we need you. We need you to be a part of what is going on here. And if you want to get plugged in, there's a number of ways you can do that. You can either send an email to office at bluewaterbaptist.ca. Bethany, who's right over here, you see her when you check in every week. You can talk to her and she can tell you more or at least make those connections to see how and where we can find you fitting in at Blue Water because family, just coming on Sunday isn't enough. This isn't, this isn't all that there is to the mission of God. If we want to see this city changed, if we want to see this city impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we all need to do our part. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you that when, we were, that, that when we were lost and helpless and hopeless, you came for us. We try and deliver ourselves. We try and sign up for uh, other people who we, we feel like are deliverers. Other little messiahs with a little M. People like Moses who are frail and broken. And they're going to let us down. They always do. But the one who never will let us down, Jesus, is you. The king of all kings. The one who with your perfect life bought our redemption. I pray that you would help us as a church family to step out into what you have for us. We're so excited about what you're doing. And Lord, we pray for your help as we 
are on mission for you in this world. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. Please don't forget you are deeply, deeply loved. Have a great day.